know ultimately, God, that you are the one who gives and brings life. And so tonight, we ask that you would bring life and bring it abundantly in this moment. God, may we understand who you are and what you're about. God, may we be able to worship you now by the reading of your scripture and be able to understand exactly what you want to communicate to us tonight. Father, we pray it all in your name. Amen. Amen. Everybody doing okay? Hey, you know, it's one of my favorite times of year. Fall is one of my favorite times of year, and I'll give you one guess as to why. Football. That's pretty easy. Football. I love Friday nights. Love Friday nights, seeing you guys out, high school, football going on. Love to see you guys during the week, middle schools and freshman teams going on. Uh, but one of my favorite days amongst all the others is the first Alabama football game of the fall. What a great day it will be, Saturday, looking really forward to it. Uh, if you've never been to a, an actual college game or an NFL game, let me tell you something. It is phenomenal. Not just for the sake of going to a game and being a part of something kind of crazy and special, but man, I'm not even somebody that really like is an architecture nerd, but when you walk up to a stadium, isn't it just like, just kind of this monstrosity, you're just like, man, look at all these different curves and lines and structures and just how it's all put together. It's just amazing to see how these things are done. And so one of my favorite things to do is that when I go to stadiums, just to look around, trying to check the landscape, see how it was designed, what the thoughts were that went into the plans and all that kind of stuff. And then the people, the people are crazy, right? You go to a football game, especially a college football game, and people are just nuts. Whether it's a Tennessee game, heaven forbid, or a, an Alabama game, praise the Lord, you get all kinds of just nut, crazy fans, right? And so, again, it's just one of my favorite times of the year. I love being able to go to stadiums. I love being able to see the people, the environment, and everything that's about. The stadiums are crazy. They hold so many thousands of people. One of the uh, largest college football stadiums in the country, if not the largest, is Ann Arbor in Michigan, and it's, it holds well over 108,000 people. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, I like to say that we got a big, big group here tonight, but when you compare it to 108,000 people, that's a lot of people, right? That's a ton. And even, even and those rivals, some of the even, even bigger than some of the NFL teams and so on. But do you know that one of the greatest gatherings for worship held one time a year in an environment that seats 250,000 people. Isn't that crazy? That's almost double, or if not, that is double. That's my intelligent math rolling off there. You like that? <laughs> well done, well done. But 250,000 people gathered for one day of worship a year. You know what it is? It's actually a NASCAR event, or one of those Formula One, whatever it is. But Indy 500 race holds 250,000 people. And you're like Brian. That's not that's not a, that's not a worship. That's a race, right? But can't, just stay with me tonight, because last week we talked about we talked about worship. We talked about, like kind of primarily focused on. Uh, we probably focused on corporate worship and what it means when you come into a corporate setting, much like this one, on a Wednesday night, and you get a chance to see 
uh, and experience the Lord firsthand. And so we talked about corporate worship and really our most natural response in a corporate worship setting to a supernatural God is what we uh, bring to the table in worship. And so uh, one of the things that uh, we focused on was talking about the war for our worship and how God desires our worship, but so does the enemy. And he will fight and he will distract and he will battle for our worship, right? And so what we do tonight is what I want to look at is talking about more of our individual worship, kind of a lifestyle, living a lifestyle of worship. And the reality is that some of you don't quite get it yet, but I, I'm really confident that you're going to, hopefully by the end of tonight, that your life is a constant state of worship. That's why when I say there's a big gathering of 250,000 people in there worshiping, they may not be worshiping God the Father, but they're worshiping something. Their momentum, their energy, their reckless abandonment is turned into one object in that environment. And for that situation, it's a race. But you see it on Saturdays at football games. You see it all around the country for different events and different things that happen when people gather together to worship. Now, it may look differently, obviously, but tonight, I want you to take a look at what I mean. We're going to be looking in John 4, starting in verse 21. And hang with me tonight, because again, last week we talked about what God desires for our worship. And the one question I asked was that, what is the one thing that God desires from us that we can either hold or choose to freely give? And God desires our worship. In light of who God is and what he's done, our only reasonable response is to give our life as an offering to him. For those of us who were here last week, who was here last week? Last Wednesday night, way to represent. Last week, we ended our service by talking about, talking about how we were giving our life as an offering for worship, how we were the offering, right? You remember that? Anybody with me tonight? All right, here we go. But tonight, I want to look at something a little in the same light, but look at something a little different. John chapter 4 and verse 21, Jesus, if you don't know the story, Jesus is approaching a woman in Samaria. She is at the well, and she's dipping some water. And if you don't, if you did, if you've never heard this before, you may not understand. But Jesus was a Jewish man, and so Jews and Samarians didn't really get along. And so Jesus came into town, and he was talking to people. He goes and approaches this woman at the well, and they have a conversation. Now imagine, if you will, if somebody came up to you. Say you're on, you're just hanging out. Maybe you're sitting on a park bench. Right? Just hanging out in the park, chilling. Maybe you threw a Frisbee, you know, just having a good time. And a man comes up to you and begins to tell you all the things that you've done in your life. It'd be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? A little bit? That's kind of the situation here. This woman is at the well, and she is drawing water, and Jesus approaches her and begins to ask her for a drink. And they begin to have a conversation, and she realizes that this guy knows about her and her life. And he begins to talk to her and tell her about the things that she's done and the people that she's been with. And she kind of freaks her out probably a little bit. But look in verse, starting in verse 19. This may not be up there. Let me, let me just go ahead and read this. It says, the woman said to him, and she, she at this point is starting to understand, okay, there's something different about this dude, okay? And again, remember last week we talked about Jesus? Yeah, he's kind of a cool dude. He's done a lot of cool things, okay? And she is, she is approaching him. And, she, and she, she's starting to figure this out. And she says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. 
but you say in Jerusalem is the place where we, people ought to worship. She's talking about worshiping. She's asking him because she thinks he's important. And he's talked about worshiping in Jerusalem, where the temple is. And she says, well, our fathers have worshiped on the mountain. What's the right way? <clears throat> and Jesus said to her, check this out. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Okay? There's going to be a time coming, soon to come. You haven't experienced it yet, but there's going to be a time where none of these places of worship here on this earth are really going to matter. Okay? You can think about it in this context, not this building right here that you're sitting in today, not any of these churches around here, uh, but there's going to be coming a time, the hour is coming when neither this mountain nor, this, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Check out verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But check this out, 23, it says, But the hour is coming, and now is now here, when the what? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in what? Truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. Jesus approached this woman and says, the time is coming when the true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and in truth. Why would he say true worshipers? Why wouldn't he just say the time's coming when the worshipers will worship in spirit and truth? Because it's the reality that we are in a constant state of worship. And we're constantly worshiping something. Now, for most of us, we get distracted from this idea of worshiping God and we start worshiping other things. Now, whether it's your football team or whether it's your dance team, or whether it's your cheer squad, or whether it's your Twitter account, or whether it's your home, or whatever it is, we idolize and we worship a lot of things that are really pulling and warring for our worship against God. But the reality is, is you are in a constant state of worship. We covered last week, you are a what? Worshiper. That's right. You are a worshiper. And you have been created to worship. And so from this moment on, I want you to understand with me one thing is that from this moment on, right here at 6.57 p.m., you will not have to doubt anymore that you are a worshiper and you are constantly worshiping. Okay? Simple as that. God said the true worshipers, there's going to be a time coming when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The reason he says true worshipers, and I'll get to that in a second, God seeks two kinds of people. Okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. Tweet it, whatever you want to do. It's two kinds of people, okay? One, God seeks the lost, okay? We covered that two weeks ago. Why we do student ministry is because there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus, right? And Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost, and so that's our mission, right? And so you know that God seeks the lost. That's number one. Number two is God seeks true worshipers. Sorry, I had a mind blank. God seeks true worshipers. There's only two kinds of people that God seeks. He seeks the lost and he seeks true worshipers. And there's really no middle ground. Okay? So if we're in a constant state of worship and we're worshiping something, you need to understand that God is only seeking the true worshipers. The ones that are worshiping who? Him. That's right. The ones that are worshiping him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
true worship is one that is pleasing and acceptable to God. There's three thoughts that I want to give you on true worshipers tonight. One is that true worshipers are to be in awe. A-W-E, awe. Everybody say awe. Awe. Say it again, awe. Worshipers are to be in awe, okay? When I was younger, I met, I had the privilege of meeting somebody that I very much look up to and idolized. I went to a Braves game back in 1998 when they first opened Turner Field. I've been to a lot of Braves games, but I remember this day because we went out into the outfield and we were uh, there when they were hitting balls before batting practice. And there's a guy named Chipper Jones. You may know who that is? Incredible dude. He, uh, he did a lot of good things, but only in baseball. But he did a lot of good things, and uh, he hit a lot of home runs. He hit a lot of base hits. He fielded a lot of ground balls, and he did a lot of cool things. And so I looked up to this guy because I wanted to be a baseball player. And so I went, and I caught one of his balls that he hit in batting practice. And so there was a time where they were, um, they were leaving the field, and they were going to head to the dugout. And so I went down by the dugout with my dad. And I was, what, like 10, 11 years old, and had this ball and I was excited. Okay, I was pumped. I was excited because I was maybe going to actually get his signature on this ball, right? So I went, I walked up, and my dad's kind of pushing me through the crowd and shoved me up through the crowd, up to the front, uh, where they're starting to sign people's balls before they go into the dugout. And so I started getting nervous because lo and behold, here comes Chipper Jones walking up. He's walking, he's walking, and I was Further, or the, excuse me, closer he gets, I start getting nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm a little freaked out now. Like to me, I'm, I mean, I'm 11, 10, 11 years old. I may have been, you know, pretty high, you know. Who, who in here is 11 years old? Yeah, stand up. So I was probably about this high, yeah, right? But Chipper's probably, you can sit down. Six foot four, like somewhere around there. Chipper Jones walking up, and I'm like, dude, this dude is a giant. Okay, just standing there, and all I can see is this dude coming up, and I'm like excited, but starting to get really freaked out because I'm like actually going to interact with him maybe, and I start like kind of backing up. My dad's like pushing me forward, and uh, and finally I get up to the front, and Chipper reaches down and grabs the ball in my hand, said, "Hey man, what's your name?" And I just blanked, just blanked, couldn't say a word. Tried as a. Uh, there you go. But I just blanked, couldn't think of anything to say, didn't know what to do. I couldn't handle it. I was just in awe, okay? I was just in awe, A.W., just in awe of who he was in that moment. And I was just standing there. I was just like, uh, can't handle this, right? I was in awe in that moment. I think sometimes we approach God the same way, but most of the time, we kind of walk into church and we don't really handle God very uh, professionally or, or in awe or in reverence, we kind of just walk in casual, right? And just like, no big deal, we're just coming to church. You're looking good, but, you know, just coming to church, casual, laid back. And we don't really consider who we're coming to. Hebrews 12, 28 said this, and we talked about this last week. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and what? All. For our God is a consuming fire. That's why. We are to approach him with reverence and awe because he is a consuming fire. True worshipers worship with awe. True worshipers, number two, true worshipers worship with abandonment. 2 Samuel 6, 21 and 22. David is the king at the time, and uh, King David is standing there, and the Lord's presence is coming into to Jerusalem. 
And David's standing there, and these are the words that David utters in this moment. He's, remember, he's the king. He's the one that everybody's looking to. He's the one, he's the, he's the president, so to speak. And so people are looking at him. They're, they're, they're admiring him. He's got to look professional, right? Check out this moment. He says, 2 Samuel 6, 21 says, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in your eyes. Now, I'll change the version a little bit from that one, but... I like the way that says this. David said, I will celebrate the Lord. And what does he do? Gets up and goes dancing. Okay? Gets up and goes dancing. That's how we say it in the South. Dancing. He said, I will make myself even more undignified than this. He didn't care who was around him. He didn't care who saw. He wasn't there for the entertainment. He said, I will make myself even more undignified than this. And it says, I will be humiliated in your eyes. He was talking about the people that were there. He didn't care. I think all too often we come into worship or a corporate worship setting or even in really in our daily life as we're walking the halls or doing the things that we do, we care too much about who's around us and what they're doing and who's going to see and how we operate. Right? We look to the person to our left and to our right and we think, well, we can't be, we got to be careful because they might think differently of us. We raise our hands or we say something or, you know, I just don't, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to be humiliated. Dude, King David came with reckless abandonment and he went dancing with all he had. I mean, even if I went dancing with a little bit of what I had, it would still be embarrassing, okay? So I can understand the humiliation part, but I'm just saying that that's the way we should approach worship. True worshipers worship in all, but they also worship with abandonment. That we should come to approach the, the throne and the king and just say, I don't care who's around. I don't care who's here. I'm going to worship God. I don't care if they see me. I don't care if I'm dancing in the aisles. Like, I mean, you know, we'll let you. But it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're in worship of the one true living God, the one that created you, the one that made you who you are, the one that made you so unique and special and that you can give everything that you have and put it all aside and say, you know what, I don't care. I'm going to worship him because he is worthy. David cut loose, man. He cut loose. I think you see this all the time. You go to sporting events, right? Go to an Indy 500 or you go to a football game. People are going nuts, Right? You don't have to tell people to get up and get crazy for a football game. That's what I was saying earlier. And you're the same way. When we're there on Friday night or on Saturday, man, even in our own living room, we're, we're screaming, we're yelling, we're getting up. That's Jen. I'll, I'll just be getting crazy, okay? And we're, with reckless abandonment, worshiping whatever it is. I'm telling you, I think that God would love to see us worship that way. We know how. There's no excuse because, like I said, we do it all the time. But I think we offer God the weak worship and offer all these other things, our strong worship. Number three, worship. True worshipers worship with all, worship with abandonment. And the third thing is true worshipers worship with intimacy. Intimacy. You don't know, you don't just know about God, you have to actually know God. You actually have to know him. You have to get to know him by reading his word, by talking to him, by understanding who he is. Man, I'll tell you something. I love my wife. I do. She's awesome. She's beautiful. She's a godly woman. Man, she's a heck of a lot spiritually mature than I am, and she's got it together, man. She is the stuff. 
and I want to know her, and I want to know her well, and through getting to know her, I want to do things for her, right? I want to, I want to help her out. I want to bless her because I, getting to know her, I know what she likes, and if I come home and I clean the house and she comes home and finds it, man, she is thrilled. I'm just telling you, you want to bless the ones that you get to know, right? And you want to get to know them so that you can, that you can love them and that you can love to be with them and you can talk about them. And you can be a blessing to him. God wants us to know him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to talk about him. He wants us to be a blessing to him. And when you get to know him, and when you actually pursue him, and when you actually worship him well, then you're worshiping him with intimacy. And that's a true worship. It's not what we do. It's who we are. We are worshipers. God seeks and desires our worship. I want to invite Bobby and those guys to come back up. And as they do, I want you to understand something. Have you ever gone out and seen uh, a sunset at night? You know what I'm talking about? You go out and you, you see the sun falling down behind the trees, and man, it's like the perfect time, right? You sit down, and you're like sitting down in the grass, and just the sun is falling down behind the trees, and you get, you get a glimpse of like just how amazing this thing is, Right? And like the orange and the, and the yellow are coming together and it's just like, it's getting, it's starting to fade, but it's like, they're like shooting up through the clouds, the rays are, and like they're shooting through the clouds. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's just absolutely stunning, right? Just beautiful. That is the sun in its true, truest worship. Because everything that God has created, he's created it to worship. And you're no different. God has created you to worship tonight. He's created you to be a worshiper, and he is seeking your worship. I'm telling you tonight, God is only seeking two kinds of people. He's seeking the lost, and I pray tonight, if you don't know who Jesus is and you've never experienced true worship, and you want to get to know him for the first time tonight, man, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to, to, to enter into a life-changing experience with the one true living God, the one that created you, that came down to this earth and died on the cross for your sins, all the, all the junk in your life, the crap that you've done. And he came and he died for it. And not only that, but he defeated death and he resurrected. And if you sitting here tonight don't know who Christ is, man, I want to invite you to get to know him. I want to invite you to stand up and talk to me or stand up and talk to one of these leaders tonight. Because God seeks the lost, but he also seeks true worshipers. And there's really no middle ground. And so if you've been going through life worshiping, maybe worshiping God every now and then, but you've never experienced what true worship is, worshiping with awe, worshiping with abandonment, worshiping with intimacy, tonight I invite you to worship. I'm not just talking about sitting in your seat. I'm not just talking about standing up. I'm not just talking about raising your hand. I'm talking about truly worship the one true living God. The one that knits you together and knows everything about you. The one that can come and tell you your life story. Tell you what you're about. Tonight I want to invite you to worship. Be a true worshiper. Be a true worshiper. Be a true worshiper. Let's worship God tonight. You want to respond? I'll be around. There'll be adults in the back. Prayer rooms open. You can go and pray. 
you really just get a sense from the Lord, you don't necessarily want to pray with anybody, but you do want to go pray, you can go across the hall. You can come up to the altar. I don't care what you do, but I want you to experience true worship. And I want you to experience the one true living God. So let's be a true worshiper tonight. And let's worship God the Father. What do you say?